it's Brandi Taylor. Welcome to the Business Beauty Network Podcast, where business meets beauty. It's not just lipstick, it's business. We will share thought-provoking conversations with business and beauty professionals. Our goal is to empower, motivate, and inspire you to take your business to the next level. Hey, it's Brandi Taylor, the business coach for beauty professionals. I help beauty pros amplify their business and take more action. I am super excited to share the Beauty Pro Mastermind with you, a group for serious beauty pros who want to find ways to continue to thrive in their business, a safe place for support, accountability, and education. This group is for beauty professionals who are ready for change in their business, understanding that commitment is required to achieve your goals. You know you need to make a move, but you're unclear and need an extra push. My mission is to empower beauty professionals and equip them to achieve their goals, bringing beauty and business together through support, education, and business resources. Register today for the Beauty Pro Mastermind at IamBrandyTaylor.com and just click on Beauty Pro Mastermind. I will also include the details in the show notes. Hey, welcome to the podcast. I am super excited to share today's episode with you, per the use. I had an awesome conversation with Akuba Torvicki. She's a product development manager and the founder of Breed Love. And we had a great conversation just talking about the product development space, what she does, and what's trending, and all of those great things. And if you're looking to start your own product line, I think this will be a great interview for you. Here's a little bit of Akuba's bio. Akuba Torvicki Dawkins is an award-winning product development manager with the passion for innovation, consumer insights, and product testing. From legacy to startup beauty brands, she's worked with dozens of multi-million dollar cosmetic and hair care companies to deliver growth, innovation, and marketing strategies. Akuba is the founder of Breedlove, an accelerator for beauty and wellness startups, where she provides resources and mentorship to Black-owned beauty and wellness brands to prepare them for growth. Professionally, Akuba works as the product development manager at Strength of Nature, a company where she has launched and tested over 150 products across several multi-million dollar brands to date and has been recognized as the top number one of her company in innovation. What Akuba is most proud of in her beauty career so far has been the opportunity to work on the relaunch of the iconic brand Afrosheen. I think you're really going to enjoy this interview and here it goes. Hey, welcome to the podcast. It's your host, Brandy Taylor. We have an awesome guest today, Akuba Torvicki. Welcome, Akuba. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Brandy. I'm excited to have you here today. Thank you for being on. So, Akuba, I like to start with a fun fact. Um, so, tell us something about yourself that most people would not know. Uh, okay. <laughs> It doesn't caught me off guard. I was the homecoming queen my senior year of high school. Oh, awesome. So were you popular in high school? I wasn't. I didn't think I I didn't think I was. I was just, you know, I was one of the you know, the nerds, if you will. I mean, I was in color guard and I did a lot of um clubs and things of that nature. But um I guess that goes farther. It went farther than I thought it would. It wasn't something that I even was even politicking for it just kind of happened it took it it shocked me but here we are <laughs> awesome awesome well that's a good fun fact thanks for sharing that 
So Akuba, tell us about your background. So I know you have a strong background in product development. So how did you like get into beauty and to the product development and where you are right now? Okay. Um, so my beauty story actually doesn't start in beauty. I was a, um, I was a, an analyst at an IT company. Um, I did a lot of project management. I did systems integration testing and, um, you know, being in my twenties and just trying to fill things out, I realized it wasn't for me. And when I did identify something at that company that was, um, two roles and over 400 people applied for the same position. So I was, so at that, it was at that moment that I knew it was time to move on. And um, my boyfriend at the time, he was, he's in, uh, he's a developer. He's a Android and iOS developer. And he had a client at Bronner Brothers and his um, main point of contact there was actually transitioning out of Bronner Brothers and asked him if he knew anyone. And so he asked me if I, was interested in the opportunity. It was in the marketing department and I was open to it, right? So uh, beauty was not something I had never really had my sight set on. It just kind of, you know, as a black girl, it was what you did, right? And so went to the interview and uh, there, it was there that things really clicked for me. Um, this was in the early, early years of Twitter, et cetera. So at that time, I considered, and prior to many of the social media platforms that now exist, so at the time, I considered myself an early adopter, and um, what clicked in the interview was that I can talk to her, the, the, the consumer, because I am her, you know, I've, I've been a Black woman my whole life, and that conversation and dialogue comes very easy, and uh, it was to my surprise that my experience with this IT company in consulting and testing, et cetera, would lay the foundation for my, my work in beauty, learning systems. Um, as a consultant, you, you switch in and out of industries. So you're never married to an industry. You learn a system, you learn uh, a way of uh, doing things. And so that really helped me easily transition into beauty. And I, it was something that I loved doing. I was like, wow, they're paying me to talk to black women about hair. I can get used to this. So it was from there that I, realized that that was something I love, um, figured out a niche for myself and, and just, you know, went for it. So you said you were getting paid to talk to them about hair. Did you, were you interviewing them to try to figure out like what were their issues and what type of products and things that they would be interested in or doing product research or what was that like? Sure. So my first role was with Bronner Brothers that's here in Atlanta. And um, if you know anything about hair, you know, they're one of the, I would call them forefathers of black hair care. And at the time, I did a combination of their social media management, uh, trade, trade show management, and consumer relations. And at the time as well, in the natural hair care scene, it was the early years of the natural uh, hair influencer. So I managed those relationships as well. And uh, without a budget, <laughs> I had to leverage relationships and, um, you know, just making strong friendships with the influencers. And so um, that's how I got a lot of things done. I just made friends everywhere I went. And so um, you would see, um, I would do copywriting. I would, um, you know, manage certain events at the trade shows. We did over 200 trade shows a year. Um, I managed all the social media community and community management as well. And then um, 
lent myself to some of the, a little bit of the product development, I would say more so, um, not so much the development, but the enhancements of the existing portfolio. Um, I had the I had the um, the eye and ear of the consumer. I talked to them firsthand. So I would provide, I would gather that feedback and provide it back to the team in terms of uh, recommended changes and uh, complaints about the, the products. Yeah, it's interesting that Brother Brothers did that. You know, they had someone like you that was connected with the consumer and doing the research and handling like, you know, the social media and influencers and all these things when you look at what's going on now in the industry you know with with what has happened this year so far and with a lot of companies you know trying to really prove that they you know are pro-black and everything and they do support us and all that um i i see that there's a lack of that in other companies do you know what i mean like a lack of them speaking to us and trying to find out our issues and what we need as a consumer um, you raise a good point. I would say that um, they were at the time they were we we've heard about this social media thing and we know we need to be doing it. So here's a blank canvas. Uh, go do what you do. Right. So um, in in certain ways, they were um, ahead of their time in terms of who they chose to do that, because, you know, you can't choose the wrong person or wrong company to do that. And in other ways they were um they did the right thing in terms of giving me the the space to figure it all out for them as they were new to you know to social media and and new to that sort of communication with the consumer so um i would absolutely agree with you that you don't see well you know now it's more important than ever they got it right by understanding that they were new and and not knowledgeable in that area and and allowed uh, good soil to figure it out for them. Allow, excuse me, allow me good soil to figure it out for them. Yeah, yeah, but I just think it's interesting because, you know, a lot of companies make a lot of mistakes because they don't have people that look like us at the table. Like when, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so they're not providing products that are, you know, properly formulated for us. And there's a lot of different issues across the board with, with cosmetic brands and companies. Now I see it's a shift for sure. And they're really trying and they're asking questions. How can we, you know, do better and how could we represent better? And, uh, but it's just interesting that, you know, um, a company like Rhino Brothers was doing that from the gate, trying to find out exactly what they needed to do for the consumer. Yeah. And I think a lot of that comes from the culture as well. It's a family owned company and you lose a lot of that personal touch when you're talking about a corporation and people are in, in it for dollars, you know, what the family stood for. Um, at the time and contextually when the when the company was started, it just allowed for the continuation of that culture and being for the people uh, into present day for sure. So tell us like, so you started off doing like, it sounds like you did a bucket of things. Like you did the social media, you did, you know, dealt with the influencer, you were talking to the customers, you were you like, you hit the ground running, you were doing a little bit of everything. And now you're this award-winning product developer. So how do we get to this, you know, stage and where you're at right now? That's a great question. Um, you know, I talked about that blank canvas. Uh, when I realized that black hair, care and black women were some, was something that I really cared about. 
um, I decided decided to define my future. I, you know, I had, I could, I realized at that point that I, my resume could look however I wanted it to look. And so I remained open to all of the different experiences that I had at Bronner Brothers and each, um, each progression of my career, I took inventory. Do I like doing this? Do I not like doing this? And so after Bronner Brothers, I did, um, I started my own business uh, called Curl Press. And so I managed uh, the business relations for influencers. And so that, that came from my work at Bronner Brothers. I would also uh, do a lot of agency work and subcontracting with larger companies and entrepreneurial brands as well. So that allowed me the opportunity to really decide what I liked. And so what I realized is um, what I enjoyed more than crafting the message around the product was deciding what the product should be in the first place. And so that's how I got from uh, where I was to where I am now. Okay, for those who may not understand the whole product development process, explain to us exactly what it is that you do. Okay, so, um, well, in at my company, I wear three hats. I do consumer insights, I do the product testing, and then I do the actual management, uh, project management, if you will, of the product from idea to what we call commercialization. So, Everything starts at insights. Hopefully, if you're <laughs> if you're uh, launching a, a a good product, so it starts with the insights. It starts with your Mintel reports, your IRI data. Um, you know, something as simple as listening on your own um, on social media, and just find out what people are talking about, what what trends are out, what ingredients are trending, um, what. Uh, Every honestly, I've even learned in um, in my insights work to look at food trends as they influence beauty as well. So you start there, you uh, develop concepts. You know, if you're working by yourself, you're developing concepts and running through those yourself, or you're developing concepts and proposing that to a team. Um, from there, the team, you know, decides the feasibility of it. Um, if you're looking at a team, excuse me, if you have a, a team that you can confer with, that likely means you have um, other manufacturing means, et cetera. And so the team is looking at this idea from a feasibility standpoint. Can we make this product? Can we make it in-house? Do we need to, um, do we need to outsource it? Uh, you know, regulatory is looking at it from uh, ingredient standpoint, current laws, things of that nature. Um, project management is looking at it from a capacity standpoint. So whatever your team is, you're figuring, you're looking at all your concepts and figuring out what makes the most sense for you to, um, to move forward with. And in addition to that, you're also making the business case for it. Well, um, forecasting, well, how much can this product bring me? Uh, what are my distribution channels? Things of that nature. So you want to know that you, um, as much as possible, have a profitable idea. It's not good enough to just have an idea. You want something that's gonna, you know, make you money as well. And so, um, you know, quite a few other people involved in this process. You have your R and D, your formulators, um, packaging, or whoever's considering that for you. Does this? Um, what type of packaging? Uh, does this product need and uh, what type of closure or what type of, um, you know, uh, labeling makes sense? What type of closure 
uh, evacuation. How do you get the product out of the bottle? All of those things. So those are things that you're thinking about up front. From there, the best ideas move forward. You write your brief to your uh, formulator, and this is where you're painting the biggest picture possible, right? So my product, I want it sold in the US only, or I want it sold in the US and the EU. That matters uh, because of the different regulations. Um, I want the product this color, this transparency. I want these fragrances, these ingredients um, that I intend to call out. Um, so as much of a picture as you, as you can paint for your formulator, whether that's in-house, out, or you're doing it yourself, is really good to document um, by way of a brief, however um, formal you want to get with it, or however formal is required of you, um, to get the idea out of your head. From there, your formulator um, is going to take that information. They're going to create the formula based on the packaging that's required and or they're going to recommend packaging based on ingredients. You'll So uh, at this point, a lot of processes start in parallel with each other, right? So you have your formula going, um, which includes your, your fragrance, your colors, your call outs. You have your packaging going. You have your label design going. Um, you're hopefully at least thinking about, but hopefully having conversations on uh, distribution and sales. Where is this going to be sold? Um, so you're doing all these things in tandem with each other and they move at different paces and that's understood and okay. Um, so once you get your formula proposals, you are, um, at this point, you're testing your formulas to decide, um, what makes the most sense. Um, and that's, that's one route, right? So you can go custom formula. Um, you have a few different options when it comes to formulation. Um, you can do a custom formula. You can, um, you can use a stock formula with a company, or you can customize a stock formula. So all those options are going to um, have different levels of involvement, different levels of decisions, different costs associated <laughs> with them as well. So that's something in your feasibility that you want to understand. Um, you know what your your means are, right? So if you're making this out, out at home, versus if you have the means to hire a contract manufacturer and a, for, a formulator, um, you know, you're, you're going to know that out the, out the bat and you, you should evaluate all those things going into it as well. Um, now, what mm -hmm. shift have you seen in this industry uh, with product development? Because you know what I've been noticing? I asked this question because I've been seeing a lot of advertisements on social media where companies that say like, you can start your own brand and you can do this, but it used to be like a secret. Like you didn't know who to reach out with. You didn't know who to source for your lashes or hair or whatever. It was like a, a big secret. So what is the shift that has been, that's being made in this industry right now? The, the beauty business is booming. Um, and you're absolutely right where it was, uh, obscure information and hard to find. Um, you have organizations that are helping you find these people. You have, um, organizations that are doing all the upfront work for you where you don't have to, you know, all you need to figure out is your brand name, your fragrance. They have all the product selections, um, uh, figured out for you. So, uh, in terms of those three options that I mentioned, uh, 
what we're seeing now is more turnkey options to get your product launched. And so where there's the increased interest in launching beauty products, there's also the increased um, provision of or um, availability of companies uh, willing to help you do that almost at any phase that you want to and can walk you through the, you know, the end phases of your, um, your, your packaging, your testing, um, all of those things. So you, there are more options to walk you through the entire journey. Yeah, I would agree. I see, I've been noticing that and I see that now. And I know there was a time where, you know, even like if you wanted to get a product manufacturer, that could be quite expensive. You know, if you wanted to get it developed and manufactured, you wanted to have your own everything done, you know, you had to find someone to do that and test products and go through all the process. And a lot of times you didn't even know where to start. You didn't know who you reach out to. And if you reach out to people who did have products, they didn't want to give you the information. So it was very, you know, hush hush about that. And then it was just, even if you did find a company that, you know, maybe you could you know, add an ingredient, subtract an ingredient or whatever, like a private label thing or whatever it may be, you know, your minimums was quite huge. So you had to, you know, commit to these huge amounts of products in order to even start. And now, like you said, almost at any level, you can get started. So it's yeah. definitely been a shift in the industry for sure. It absolutely. Um, and the, the challenge that comes with that is saturation and the importance of, uh, you know, differentiating yourself and how do you really putting the time and energy into how do you stand out and what gaps are you filling? And so these companies are um, helping people and consumers fill those gaps quicker. Um, but again, you know, there's the, the saturation piece to it. So with every good, there's a, uh, or every pro, there's a con. That's right. So now everybody has a line. So how would you, what would you recommend to someone who was, you know, looking to start up their own line, whether it's, you know, getting it formulated and manufactured or whether it's like going a private label route, but they want to start their own cosmetic line. What are some ways you could stand out in this industry? Hmm. Well, uh, to, to answer, to answer the first part of the question, I think the, the main thing is really taking an honest look at your, your funds and your financials and uh, really figure out what you can afford. Um, a lot of people get stuck at the, the sticker shock uh, <laughs> part of it, but knowing what you can afford, it eliminates, it takes some things off the table, you know, at the forefront. It allows you to uh, fundraise if needed. So it, it, it really helps you see the future a, a lot more clear and the other steps involved uh, with, with getting it off the ground. In terms of ways to um, figure out how to stand out, I mean, that really comes with your insights and your, your research. Some people have, I've seen them have great, I've worked with companies that have just great intuition and just, you know, are plugged in themselves as the owners, um, the owner operators, and are plugged in. Sometimes they're feeling their own needs because those needs aren't being met and you always know that there's somebody else like you out there. And then some people are just deeply data driven. And so um, to answer your question, it all starts with the, with the data. You know, I, I just wouldn't grab, uh, you know, an idea out of thin air or something that looks glamorous. You really want to make sure um, that you're feeling a need. You start there to me. Uh, what need are you feeling? We, um, we kind of saw that 
go left in terms of the the edge uh edge gel explosion a few years ago <laughs> yeah what was up with all the edge control <laughs> uh, to your point it was easy to make uh, high margins easy to, easier to uh get a get a hold of and in all fairness it was a problem it was just that you know how many did we need before that problem was solved <laughs> right right yeah, I, I know what you mean about the escrow book, but now I see a lot of, now lip gloss has always been around, it hasn't gone away, but now I've been seeing more, like it's like this whole lip gloss phase going on right now. Have you noticed that? I, I have noticed that as well. I mean, I know people personally who have incorporated uh, lip gloss into their offerings or offer that, uh, excuse me, or or have just a, you know, strictly, um, primarily lip gloss company. I don't uh really know and understand the the origins of that um i try to stay as broad as i can and keeping up industry wise but my lane is really um is really hair care but i do come across that and i'm not taking the time to really figure out this this lip gloss boom as well but some people are doing it and doing it well <laughs> yeah. so about hair care what are some shifts you see because okay we know we're natural now you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and we have a lot of options now so i don't know if we need another twisting putty or whatever you know what i'm saying oh i do i say that all the time i you know how many more curl creams do we need we don't right. um, <laughs> so uh to answer your question some of the trends that i'm seeing right now are um going back to well, for one, versatility is the new natural. So being able to go back and forth and not feel um, ridiculed or feel shamed about wanting to wear your hair straight every now and then. Um, for me, early on in my natural hair journey and career, to me, to fully embrace um, being natural was to um, not only embrace your curls, but just see the beauty in everything, right? Um, not just the beauty in your curls, just everything is beautiful. And um, so I'm, I'm happy to see that shift towards versatility. Um, we're also seeing hard styles, right? So hard hairstyles, spritz and gel styles are coming back. You know, the WAP video with the up. No, no. Updos are coming back. No, <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> no pink curls and pony- yes. no, no sculpture ponytails. <laughs> Now, I think it's for a particular generation. I think some of us have uh, retired our pin curls, um, but some are nostalgic and um, they're getting back into it. And I'm here for it. I'm enjoying it. I'm going to I'm looking forward to see if they get as creative as um, as we do. Uh, I think uh, baby hair is here to stay. Um, (laughs) At first, it was baby hair, the health of your edges. But we're becoming baby hair artists. Right, right. They swooping for days now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're swooping for days. That's interesting. Now it's interesting that you said people are trying to have that versatility. Like they want to have straight hair, but not necessarily have a chemical or, you know, something that's permanent, like, you know, like a relaxer. So what I see, uh, I work with a lot of hairstylists as a coach, and a lot of them are focusing on healthy hair and everybody's doing these silk press and you know, these blowouts and all this thing. So that's like the big thing now I, I'm noticing, the shift. Because before everybody was natural. And then we, like you said, we had all these natural hair care lines and all these curl creams and different things. And then now a lot of stylists are specializing in healthy hair. So they're showing you like, I can really still keep 
your the integrity of your curls but give you the straight look that you want so i i could see where that's shifting as well uh, absolutely and so we exist you know uh we exist in terms of the products we make to meet people where they are and and what what their needs are so some of our more recent um hair care lines that we've launched have focused on healthy styling as well so um yeah we're we're definitely seeing that that shift um i'm here for it i do it myself <laughs> yeah i think it's good i think it's good that's one thing i like about being black like we it's just so many things that we can do like i can look one you know i can have my big curls i can have my braids i can you know do what i want to do and i like that like i like being able to change and be free with what i can do with my hair and my look so i love that now let's talk about because you you started up a program breed love and so just talk about breed love tell us like you know how did this all come about and how did you create this program Absolutely. So Breed Love is a is an online accelerator for beauty and wellness entrepreneurs. Um, the this first round was designated specifically for startups based out of Atlanta. Um, I actually won a grant from an organization called the Atlanta Wealth Building Initiative. And congratulations. Uh, thank you. They exist to close the wealth gap between black owned businesses and everyone else. And so beauty and wellness was one of the areas that they wanted to focus on. And so uh, I've been working on this since last year. This was actually supposed to launch in the spring in a new building here in Atlanta uh, called, called Pittsburgh Yards. Uh, however, COVID would change all of that. And so we took the program virtual. It actually ended up being a blessing because I could tap into more of my network because, uh, you know, based on your 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 practice your area of practice you may not be uh located in atlanta the northeast the jersey area well known for fragrance chicago is still a a staple for black hair care uh, in terms of development um development and distribution uh you know you're going to see california texas florida strong players in those areas and so actually going online allowed me to tap and tap deeper into my network and so Bree Love um, ended up being a nine a nine week um, virtual accelerator where we touched on various aspects of launching your brand from uh, product positioning to development to regulatory and compliance to retail readiness and so um, I was able to be flexible in the content and make sure that some things were relevant to the current climate um, with COVID and what does retail look like in the future and things of that nature. And so uh, what we're looking to do in the future um, is really go more in, in depth with some of the uh, subject matters, uh, subjects that we offered in this first cohort. And so uh, this first cohort ended up being um, a total of 10 companies that were fully supported by the grant. But what I was able to do, you know, as a black woman, we know how to make a dollar stretch. And so what I, uh, what I was able to do was um, invite most of the applicants who, um, who applied to the program to listen in every, every week. You know, it did not harm anybody, it was virtual. So that was also a, another blessing in COVID that I was able to help more companies um, in addition to, you know, expand the network as well. And so some of the things that we're working on include uh, 
get, uh, being prepared for Black Friday. I'm knocking on doors to these retailers to educate these companies on how to how to get ready to sell into those stores. Um, a lot of companies are looking to help Black businesses right now, and so that's uh, made its way over into beauty as well. We'll be touching on digital marketing and things of that nature. So really looking forward to um, continuing to help my initial cohort and also uh, expand my reach as well. Awesome. Now, why did you decide to create Breed Love? You know, did you think there was a need for that in the community just to help, you know, people who were looking to develop their brands and they lack the, you know, the direction or the help that they needed or what was the need that you were looking to fill with Breed Love? I'll be honest with you, Brandy. I wasn't looking to do any of this. All of this came to me, <laughs> which is why I know that, you know, God had had his hand in this because um, it, it wasn't something that I was looking to do. But when the opportunity presented itself, um, it made sense. It all clicked. And the provision that has happened since, um, the timing of it couldn't have been, I, like I said, I was working on this at the end of the year. This would prove to be um, exponentially important right now for these companies during this time as well. And so um, I can't take the credit for that. <laughs> that's And that's what makes me so excited about Brie Love. It's not me. I'm just, um, I'm just a vessel. So tell us some success stories. Like what have some of the companies that have gone through the program gained so far? You just did your nine week accelerated program. Like tell us some, what happened. Well, it, it's still very early um, in, the, in the process, but I think the biggest success right now to come out of this is the sense of community. Um, a lot of these programs that you see are very one-to-many, right? So it's I have the information and I'm giving you the information. And one of the things that I was um, able to establish early on was a culture of helping each other. Um, and that's, that's important in beauty. That's important as a um, as a black person in beauty. That's important as a small business in beauty. And I, and I'll explain why. Um, we, although you know, African Americans spend a tremendous amount of money on hair care, cosmetics, beauty, etc. We don't own necessarily. We don't own that space, right? We are we are more consumers than we are uh, producers and owners. And so what you see is um, an imbalance in terms of our access to, um, to, to going into those spaces. It's a big deal every time a Black-owned beauty supply store opens. You know, it's a big deal when a Black-owned comp- a hair care company or cosmetic company makes it into a big box retailer or exits a company. It's, a big, it's still news, right? So it's, it's still news because it's still new. And um, then you add the layer of COVID. Uh, logistically, we had logistic nightmares. We had supplier nightmares. People couldn't get packaging. Everybody was scrambling to you know, get their alcohol license so they could pivot and make hand sanitizer. And you couldn't get bottles for your shampoo and things of that nature. And so the importance of community, their strength in numbers, um, their strength in numbers with collective bargaining, their strength in numbers with, you know, buying in, in bulk, there's um, sharing of information that the next person may not know, and then cultivating that culture of we can all come up together. And so to me, that's been the biggest success story so far um, since the cohort ended about two weeks ago. 
everyone wanted to continue. Um, the I needed a break, my team needed a break. But what we do now is every Thursday, um, actually even today at seven o'clock, <laughs> every Thursday we meet, we talk. What what wins did you have? What else did you have? What help do you need? Um, Akuba, here's my label. Can you take a look at it? Give me your feedback. This is here's my bio. So. Um, the feedback that I've gotten is um, that in that nine weeks, which is extremely short in the, you know, in the the long run, when you think about the entire journey, um, it's it's moved the needle. The information has moved the needle for for a lot of people. I'm really excited about that, and my intention is to to track each cohort's progress and and uh, stay on this journey and you know be on this journey with them. So, yeah. Sounds great. And I mean, community is always great. And I'm pretty sure it was an awesome opportunity to just have that support system and be able to ask you questions and from someone who's on the product development side and have other people who are also creating their brands and maybe having some of the same issues. And I'm pretty sure, you know, that built a great community. So I can see that that's something that's needed. And um, I hope to see it even more and expand and grow. And so is this something that people outside of Atlanta can take part in or are you just still based for Atlanta right now? Um, we'll see where the next batch of funding comes from. Um, <laughs> I am working on some, um, you know, no, no, no one got rich off this, but I was able to, uh, compensate my mentors for their time. One of the other things I forgot to mention was a, a part of uh, how I supported the cohort was every mentor that, uh, presented a workshop, each company got up to an hour of their time in consultation as well and so um they got consultation and then they received uh their products as well so let's say they had a book or they had a course or things of that nature so i was able to provide a consulting tangible and intangible um I, uh, benefits to the cohorts and so i want to be able to continue to do that and so um exploring some different avenues for funding it's my hopes to open it up um nationally um, but we'll we'll see in the coming weeks. I was just thinking, especially because you had to do it, you know, virtually. And so because you had to do it virtually, I know you said you had to build it and that was the initial plan and then COVID happened and then you did this whole virtual thing. And so being that you can do it virtual, you probably can branch out to people all over the world, possibly. Absolutely. Quiet is kept. You know, not everybody that that um, listened in was from Atlanta. You know, I had skincare companies out of um, California. I had some companies out of, out of the Caribbean as as well. So as word got out, come on in, join us. <laughs> I so, uh, also um, had someone um, from the UK as well. So we didn't turn anybody away. Uh, but just in terms of who we financially supported, they had to be from Atlanta just because of the grant. But um, in, in some way, shape, form, or fashion, me being a Black woman, I'm going to figure out how to stretch. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. So, I, well, you, so you spoke on Black Friday. You were just talking about, uh, you spoke with some of your companies on, you know, how to prepare for it. Now, Black Friday is different. I'm already hearing things like these big companies are like Black Friday is canceled or, you know, before companies were open, like even on Thanksgiving and a lot of companies are saying now they're not going to do that. So what is the whole big Black Friday shift? What are you seeing with that? Um, I'll, I'll be honest with you, me being in a corporate uh, environment, 
I haven't heard a lot of the chatter. I can understand from a brick and mortar perspective, Black Friday being canceled. That's why it's going to be uh, very important for everyone to be digital ready, right? So everything's moving online. Uh, you know, are you ready for that? Are you know from a inventory standpoint, from a platform um, stamp perspective, bandwidth, all of those things. So it's it, what's really going to be important is how you show up online this year. So Cooper, tell us, I'm going to ask you the last three questions I like to ask everybody to come on the podcast. Sure. How do you define success? That's a great question. Um, that evolves for me so much. Um, right now, for me, how I define success is the ability to freely give of myself and not expecting or needing anything in return. And that's what Brie Love has been for me. I've been, I'm, I'm blessed to have a, a corporate um, job and everything that I do for Brie Love is, uh, it's me giving of my time and talent. And that for me has felt uh, like success this year. So what's either your favorite quote or affirmation? Hmm. One of my, um, I'm going to give you the one that I put in my high school yearbook. <laughs> um, be the task, great or small, do it well or not at all. I love it. I love it. Awesome. Awesome. And so what's either your favorite tool or app to use to operate in business? Oh, let's see. Um, right now it's going to be Calendly. So Calendly, um, is a scheduling app that allows you to give someone a link and they can set up time to speak with you, um, based on their availability. What that has done is eliminate the back and forth. Well, when are you free? Well, when are you free? When are you free? And that saved me so much time, but um, additionally, what I was um, able to do with Calendly, um, and <laughs> this is uh, not a sponsored ad, but what I was able to do with Calendly um, during our lockdown in, in COVID, um, I wanted to make the most of my time um, and, and reconnect with people since life had slowed down. And so um, I called it Zoom Into Beauty. And I just made a cal Calendly link and I sent text messages to a lot of the, uh, a lot of my colleagues in the, in the beauty space and reconnected on Zoom. And, um, I, and, and I was able to do that most efficiently with Calendly. So they were, you know, the, the scheduling came in and I was just hopping to Zoom, catch up with people and, and, you know, both of us are all the better for it. So that's that's it for for right now <laughs> okay okay awesome so it's been absolutely a pleasure having you on Akuba tell everybody how they can reach you and contact you online and everything well I've enjoyed this as well thank you for having me um I've enjoyed all the interviews that I've listened to and learned a lot as well so I'm honored to um to have this conversation with you if you want to connect with me um you can find me 
on Instagram more than I need to be at Akuba, A-K-U-B-A underscore T and uh, Breed Love Accelerator, um, one word on Instagram as well. That's the best way to, to reach um, myself and my team. And I'm happy to um, answer any questions. I'm happy to shoot you a 15 minute Zoom link to, uh, excuse me, Calendly link to uh, talk about <laughs> what your challenges are and we can go from there. Awesome. Thank you so much, Akuba. It's been great having you. As always, everyone, stay great, and we are out. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Business Beauty Network podcast. Please subscribe and support our podcast. Please share it. Share it with your friends and family. Also, connect with us. We want to hear from you. Leave us comments. Let us know what you're enjoying about the podcast. Also, email us at bb networkpodcast at gmail.com you can also connect with me on instagram at i am brandy taylor and at exquisite looks we're also on facebook and twitter at exquisite looks and you can check out my website at exquisitelooks.com i really hope to hear from you and connect with you soon remember that all things are possible if you only believe stay great